0: The podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter. Sharing the story, living the life. For more information go to belmontchapel.org.uk This afternoon we are concluding our series entitled 6M People where we have over six weeks been exploring particular expressions of how the life of Christ within us through his spirit can, if we're willing to do our part, bring about positive change in the various places where we live and work. This series has included many of the ideas that we explored together earlier in the year in our Frontline Sunday series. Our 6M theme for this afternoon is asking us to consider how we might be a mouthpiece for the gospel in our everyday lives. How do our lives speak out the good news of Jesus Christ? But before we look at the few verses of scripture together from 1 Peter... We're going to watch another short film showing a lived example of what it looks like to be a 6M people in the everyday experience of people's lives. And today we're going to hear Rich's story. Now if you're listening to this online, you want to find this video, then just search for 6M people, L-I-C-C, and look for Rich's video. Now before we look at the few verses towards the end of 1 Peter chapter 3, it would be good to explore something of the context that surrounds them. All of us, I'm sure, are very familiar with the letter's author from having read the gospel accounts of Jesus' life in ministry. Peter was one of Jesus' twelve disciples. In fact, I think we could go as far as to say that Peter was most likely the group's self-appointed leader. And in addition to being one of the twelve, he's also named as one of those closest to Jesus, alongside James and John. At the time of writing this letter, in or around AD 60, Peter was living in Rome and, unbeknown to him, was drawing towards the end of his life. History records that Peter was martyred in Rome only a few years later, on the order of the then Roman emperor Nero, who we thought about last Sunday morning. By AD 60, things were starting to become difficult for Christians, especially in the capital. But it wasn't only in Rome. Antagonism towards Christians was also being felt throughout the whole Roman Empire. In the second quarter of the first century, Christianity was designated by the Roman authorities as a sect of Judaism, and as such it was afforded the same religious protection that Orthodox Judaism enjoyed. But once the influence and the spread of Christianity extended out from Jerusalem, that protection was removed. Rome saw Christianity as a threat and the authorities were keen to curb its influence. So Peter writes to his friends to warn them that persecution is coming. Whilst the regions that Peter mentions at the start of his letter were quite remote outposts of the empire, that fact in and of itself was unlikely to afford much protection. Right at the start of the letter, Peter tells us who he's writing to, a collection of small groups of Christians dispersed across a wide area in what is now modern-day Turkey. And it's clear from what Paul goes on to say in his letter that these groups of people were facing increasing opposition as rejected outsiders within their own communities. Because of their newfound faith, they were coming under suspicion, Maybe they were being shunned by their neighbours or their families. Maybe they knew what it was to be overlooked for promotion at their place of employment. Or perhaps they were simply being ignored in the street or shoved to the back of the queue in the marketplace. They were misunderstood and misrepresented simply because they were different. And whilst previously they had followed the religious and social practices of their native culture, now... They were sensing within themselves a growing desire to follow after Christ, to be distinctive, even in the face of opposition, so that they might demonstrate the principles of God's kingdom to those they lived and worked amongst. They were choosing to be bright red dots within a sea of grey. So Peter's letter sets out to encourage his readers, both those in the 1st century and those of us in the 21st century, to confidently choose Christ despite circumstances. We're called to put our faith in God and not to lose hope, despite living in an environment of suspicion and hostility. Peter's response to their situation is refreshingly realistic. It's shot through with all kinds of practical advice. And he has much to say about how we should relate to one another and to our neighbours, whilst at the same time recognising that there will be difficulties to overcome. So let's read a few verses together, shall we? We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 8 to verse 16. This is what Peter writes. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever among you would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threat, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ our Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. One of the ways that website designers have sought to try and personalise our browsing experience is to include an opportunity to chat with a virtual salesperson or advisor. Now, I'm sure you've seen similar boxes to this, as I'm showing on the screen, pop up on your own laptop whilst you've been browsing a website, as maybe you've been trying to decide which product would suit you best. Proactive companies know that potential customers often have questions they need answering and they are aware that despite however well they think they have designed their website, finding those answers may not be that straightforward. Now there are, of course, many questions that online retailers have heard many times, which is why many websites contain FAQs links, a place to discover the answers to frequently asked questions. And whether it's online or in-person, good customer service managers know that their customers need to be able to find the relevant information they're seeking in clear and understandable ways. As customers, we don't necessarily expect the salesperson to know all the answers, but we do expect them to be able to point us towards someone who may be able to help us or to somewhere where we might be able to find the information we are looking for. Now, over the past few months, we've very familiar with this image it's a reminder that as whole life disciples of jesus christ we're called to be distinctive to stand out from the crowd to be red dots in a sea of gray and that's just as true in our everyday lives as scattered followers as jesus as it is when we are gathered but peter in this passage acknowledges the reality of what it's like to live as a christian in a society that can at times be antagonistic However, Peter is keen to point out that living God's way is always refreshed by blessing, despite how we might view the experiences we're facing. Look again, if you will, at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Peter says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Peter is at pains to point out that whilst we should expect pressure, we do have strategies at our disposal. His advice remains as true to us as it did for those who first read his letter. Look again at the remainder of verse 14. Peter quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. He says, Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Now, if we were to turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 8 to find where that quote comes from, we would be able to discover the next verse, the verse that follows on from the one that Peter quotes. This is what we'd read. Isaiah 8, verse 13. The Lord your God is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. But here, interestingly, in Peter's letter, through a transposition of person that has stunning repercussions, Peter replaces the Lord God of Isaiah with Christ the Lord. He writes, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Where revere means sanctify or regard as holy. Peter says, submit to Christ because he is Lord. Live your life in step with God's kingdom principles. But not only are we to submit to God, we're also called to speak for God. And Peter goes on in the second half of verse 15 to talk about the need for us to be messengers of the gospel. He says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, I'm kind of guessing you will have heard this quote before. Preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. It's possibly the most over quoted monastic saying of the modern church. It's used often to challenge an overemphasis on proclamation evangelism in certain parts of the church. And it has passed into the Christian phrasebook as an almost biblical reminder to remember the place of practical acts of love that demonstrate Jesus' love for the world. The quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi renowned environmentalist and social justice pioneer, founder of the Franciscan order. The phrase has enjoyed a recent emergence among the Insta-quote generation who love the fact that it sounds remarkably cool and possibly prevents us ever having to have awkward evangelistic conversations. Yet the quote is hotly disputed, Some think that Francis has been misquoted and that in fact the phrase ended and also use words, in order to illustrate the importance of, rather than the total replacement by, deeds-based evangelism. Still more people suggest that Francis' quote is a complete invention, or at the very least, it comes from a different source. Now, whatever your take may be on this quotation, we should see it in the light of scripture and not as extra to it. Peter's logic for evangelism, for being messengers of the gospel, is a consistent one. Peter's readers are urged to live in a distinctive manner and then be ready to answer any questions about their faith that emerge. The manner of life provokes questions, but the questions then need to be answered. Too often we fail at one or other of these challenges. Either we don't have a distinctive and attractive enough conduct to provoke any questions, Or we do, but we're unwilling when asked to point people towards Jesus, the true source of life. Neither actions nor words alone are sufficient. But nor is it as simple to say that we need both, since there is an order to it. Peter's vision for being a messenger of the Gospel is that the distinctive manner of life, or actions, needs to come first because that's the only route which genuine questions will emerge take for example the story that we thought about this morning the actions of the disciples in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost resulted in many in the crowd asking what does this mean in response Peter was able to give an answer an answer that resulted in 3,000 new converts being added to the church Peter goes on to say three things about speaking up in these verses. Firstly, he says we need to be ready. Secondly, we need to be reasoned. And thirdly, we need to be respectful. And the readiness that Peter speaks about isn't the intellectual readiness that we might imagine only to be achievable by reading every published book on apologetics or on personal evangelism. But instead, it's the readiness of the will, not of the mind. That's the root of the word translated for us as prepared. It's our heart, not our head, that needs to be fully engaged. Maybe there are times when we find it easier to talk about virtually any subject other than talking about Jesus Christ. He becomes for us sometimes almost the last person we'd speak about to friends and family, to neighbours and to work colleagues. And if you recognise that possibility within your own life, well, why not make the most of an opportunity that's happening later in this month to find out more about the Alpha course? On Tuesday, the 28th of June, Chris and Lizzie Playford, who led the course in the spring term, are offering an Alpha experience evening for anyone who wants to find out more about what it's like to be on the course or to hear the experiences of those who've invited friends, and to hear directly from those who have, for the first time, encountered Jesus for themselves. There is no better encouragement, I would suggest, to be messengers of the gospel than to hear about lives being transformed through the Spirit of God at work in and through the lives of others. Personally, I think talking about faith is rather like learning to tie your shoelaces. As far as I'm aware, there's no self-help step-by-step guide available to download or buy to assist with this task. We all learn to tie our shoelaces by watching how others did it and by having a go ourselves. Maybe as children, we found it tricky at the start, but now it's something that comes naturally to us. But not only are we to be ready, we're also to be reasoned. And this is where being able to turn up a helpful Bible reference or having a good grip of the basics of our faith is going to stand us in good stead, since the phrase to give a reason for the hope is founded on the Greek word apologia, which is a courtroom term summing up the clear defence of a lawyer who speaks on behalf of the accused. And the best conversations often revolve around questions some questions we may have the answers to rather like the FAQs on the help page of a website others we definitely won't be able to answer but we may be able to act as a signpost towards someone who can but even better than that don't simply point the way but rather offer to travel with them as together you seek answers but the word reason here in verse 15 isn't simply limited to logical argument as if the only reason that we follow Jesus is because we have become intellectually convinced by the arguments for his resurrection, divinity and sovereignty. In truth, our own personal story of hope is probably far more powerful than we appreciate and more convincing than any apologetic. In my own experience, I've often found that the mutual sharing of personal story provides a far more open platform for questions about faith. The power of listening and being heard is so often underestimated. David Augsburger, in his book Caring Enough to Hear and Be Heard, writes this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they are almost indistinguishable. Which brings me to my final point. Not only do we need to be ready and reasoned, we also need to be respectful. No discussion about faith. Makes progress when there's an evident animosity being aired. Peter says, Be gentle, be respectful, and keep a clear conscience. Because if our manner and our message don't square with one another, then we've already lost the right to speak. I'm going to finish there, but before we take some time to reflect on this passage, I'd like to include a song. It's called Read All About It. It was written by the UK rapper Professor Green. But this version is by Emily Sande. The words of the song seek to communicate the fact that all of us have something to offer others through what we say. Whilst not written from a Christian perspective, I think the theme finds a powerful resonance for us as messengers of the gospel. If you're listening to this online, I'd encourage you to go and find it. Um, Just look it up, Emily Sandy, E-M-E-L-I-S-A-N-D-E and the song read all about it. There are plenty of versions online.